Welcome everyone to another episode of Ascend and Transcend. I'm your coach, Elizabeth Pearson, and today's guest is Tia Graham. She is a chief happiness officer. So you know we love a good C-suite here. And she's the founder of Arrive Happy. And really what Tia does is she helps people become happy leaders, right? People being happy at work. If you have a happy boss, you're probably gonna be happier in your role and you're gonna stay there. So please welcome our guest, Tia Graham. This is such a relevant topic right now. Um, I believe that the latest statistic this morning was that in November, a record number of people actually left their jobs. So we're seeing this great resignation. And I would love for you to tell us a little bit about how you be how you came to be this kind of person who comes in and helps people be happier in their jobs and happier as leaders. And then also some of your thoughts on you know, why we're seeing people exit their current roles and um, what you think that companies could do to help maybe stop that. So um, I am born and raised actually in Northern Canada, middle of nowhere in the woods. So I joked, I think this is why I, I've always loved people so much because I grew up without any in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> nice. Um Prior to starting my own company, I worked in the luxury hospitality industry. So I led sales and marketing teams for 14 years in the Hawaiian Islands, New York City. I was in Istanbul, Turkey, and then in Los Angeles as well. And um, I became a leader at a really young age, at 26 years old, totally not knowing what I was doing at all, thrown in the thrown in the water. And throughout my hotel career, I had really inspirational, incredible, happy leaders. And I also experienced the opposite, very toxic, negative leaders. And so the, one of the main reasons why I started this company and, and the work that I do is because we spend so much time working and there's such a massive ripple effect at work. You know, toxic leaders affect not only you, but also your families. You know, you bring it home to your spouse and your yeah. kids. And and so um, so that was sort of starting the journey. And then the reason, the catalyst why I actually started my own company, Arrive at Happy, was um, I had just gone back to work after having my second daughter. And Prior to this, I'd been always been a very you know positive, optimistic person. I always had tried to energize people and um, really use that as my leadership style and, and uh, as, as who I am authentically. And um, fast forward, I'm I'm going back to work and I have a two year old little girl and a four month old baby little girl and I'm completely overwhelmed, exhausted, stressed, full of guilt. Yeah, you, know, you name we've it. been there. And, um, yep. Yes. Yes. And that's when I started formally researching happiness and getting certified with coaching and positive psychology and neuroscience. And, and I got certified as a chief happiness officer and really um, built this built this company, Arrive at Happy, to, to help leaders and teams um, utilize all of this information to, to be happy and successful. Hmm. So what do you think about everybody kind of up and quitting their jobs? I mean, this has been something that yes. I think I think if we can call this the great resignation, a year or two prior has been the great evaluation. There have been a lot of people. Actually, 2020 was my busiest year in coaching. And I feel mm -hmm. like everybody just finally had this time to stop and evaluate what they were putting their energy towards, what kind of spaces they were going to every day, the dynamics of their bosses and coworkers. So did you also see an uptick of 
like need and request to work with you to try to understand how they could make their organizations a little bit more happy and retain good talent? Yes, absolutely. And I, I love the term, the great evaluation, and I, it's it's continuing. So the the so many reasons why, you know, there's been this great resignation, but a lot of people got to pause and see a very different lifestyle, right? Not doing the commute, going into the office Monday through Friday, sitting at your desk, having more time with family, having more time to exercise, having more time to learn and grow. Maybe they want to study, they want to learn guitar, all of these different um, aspects of life. It's not just get up, you know, maybe exercise, go to work, come home, watch Netflix, sleep, repeat, you know? And so- and so whether it's where they live, you know, do I want to live in a tiny apartment in Manhattan or do I want to go buy a piece of property in Montana? Right. You know, it's like, w- want to spend more time with nature, want to be with friends and family, want to have more time for myself, is money everything, mm. you know, all of these questions. And it absolutely, because there was all of this shifting, it was also reflect on how do I want to be treated mm. And if you have a leader that's not taking care of you emotionally, psychologically, being there to be authentic and vulnerable and real, people aren't settling as much anymore. There are a lot of options. It's also the great hiring right now. There's a talent war, you know? And so- Which I kind of love, by the way, Tia. It's like for people to feel empowered, like they don't have to stay where they are. They have options. And to your point, even if one of those options- maybe um, a financial sidestep or even a backstep, they're really starting to evaluate, you know, what is the sacrifice? So I always tell clients, you know, what is the cost of that new job? What is the cost of that new promotion? Because it may be 20 grand on your base or something like that. But if that then means you can't have that dog you want, you know, or you can't have that child you want, or all of these other things, there is a cost to that. And so you really have to evaluate that. And I think so many people, especially younger millennials are like, you know what, this sucks. I'm fucking out. Like it's not worth the money. I'll take my two dogs and drive around and do what I want and make less money. And it's amazing. Yes. And no. And I think, you know, I think it's also the awareness that a reminder that, Hey, life Mm. is short. Like this, the, the virus showed people you can get sick. You can, and this is not a positive thing, but it's reality. Life can be short. You don't know when, you know, every day you wake up, it is a gift. It's a blessing. And so again, don't settle. What, 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 what does your heart want? What does your family want? And, um, right. Yeah. I agree with you. I think it's, I think humans having empowerment to actually say, I want to have a good boss. I want to like the work that I do is great. So what do you think then? Um, Say we set this scenario, which is like so many people out there, you're, you've become kind of complacent with your job. You don't love it. Your boss is kind of an asshole, but not a big enough asshole that you want to quit and start that search and all of that stuff. Can you kind of give us a couple of tips from both sides, from the side of the person being managed? And then also maybe they can be a self-advocate, maybe they can manage up, but then also the side of the people that you more closely work with, which are the actual leaders, what they could do if they see an employee that seems a little checked out. Yes. So such a great question. So for the, for the individual who's kind of complacent, not super engaged, 
I would have them reconnect with what are their values as a, as a human being? What do they really value? And what are their strengths? What lights them up? What gets them excited? And how can they, if they're, if they've made the decision, okay, I don't want to do the search, but I want to stay here, but I want to, I want to have more energy and more engagement in what I Mm -hmm. do to have them connect with their personal values and their personal strengths. And how can they bring those to work and, and, and bring that with the people that they're working with and the actual work that they're Mm -hmm. doing? How can they bring more of their own true self, their essence, I would say their soul, Mm -hmm. you know, how can they bring that as opposed to just, you know, the day in, day out, get up, check the boxes and go, but actually what, you know, what problems can they solve? So go deep really with that connection piece. Yeah. Can you give us an example? Sorry to cut you off. Can you give us an example of that? Because I think if people can say, you know, if they are kind of like deep down the apathetic well, you know, of like, I don't know what my values are. All I know is I don't like this job, right? Like sometimes that's the first step. I have people write out all of the things they don't like about their job, right? And then all of the things that maybe they do. Sometimes once you shine a light and you really get clear on what it is that's bothering you, you can also kind of Mm -hmm. decipher, is this a job thing or is this a me thing? Because a lot Mm -hmm. of times they're really intertwined, right? Maybe you're in a shitty relationship yes. and you're like, my job sucks. And it's like, maybe it's not your job. Maybe it's your relationship. Yes. Maybe it's all of, maybe it's something going on in your family that is unhealed trauma. Maybe it's something else, but I feel like it's so easy for people to default into hating their job. And it's, it's kind of like a flex right now to just leave your job and go somewhere else. And I think a lot of times they're getting into similar situations or worse, they're worse off than the job that they had right? The devil you don't know sometimes versus the one you do. Right. And I always ask him, you know, is there any more meat on that bone? <laughs> like, have we really advocated for yourself to your boss? Have you really had these vulnerable communications with everybody in leadership? So you're saying, identify some of your values. And then would they then bring that to their leader to say, you know what, this is something that I really love doing, what I don't love doing. I love the client facing stuff, but I don't love the administration on the back end. Can we work something out? Yes, yes. I would say both the getting clear on the the values as well as strengths. So all the research shows like when you are using your strengths, if there's someone that loves research but is spending, you know, an hour a month doing research, they're not going to feel very happy. So and, and I fully agree that everything is intertwined. So f- first of all, doing an own, you could do a, this on your own, the reflection exercise of like, who am I? What am I really good at? What do I really like doing? And absolutely, what do I not like doing? And then having that conversation with their direct boss saying, is there any way we can, you know, shift some of this to someone else and I could do more of this because then I'm going to bring my best self yeah. or this is what really energizes me. And that process, just like you said, it may, they may turn over stones that have them show, oh, it's actually not work. It's because I'm so out of line in this part of my life that it's, that it's trickling over. But really it's that pausing and reflection and, and making a conscious choice to not just be on autopilot, but to pause and really do some inner work. Yeah. I think so much of that is like, you know, so many people have like biweekly one-on-ones with their boss and a lot of my clients and I'll be like, well, what did you talk about? And they're like, oh, I just like, you know, brought them up to speed on like 
project status, things like that. And I'm like, did you tell them that like you really feel undervalued and you feel like working on the weekends isn't even acknowledged, so you're no longer going to do that? Like all of this kind of stuff. But it, I think it's they don't want to have that sort of con, you know, that like conflict potential pop up. They would rather they would rather just kind of like sit in it in that place of uncomfortability and then look for something else like the grass is greener than have those mm-hmm. those hard talks. But you say they're mm-hmm. necessary, right? Yes, yes. And, you know, just like your own difficulties and own healing as a human, going through the hard stuff is going gonna, is gonna to make it better on the other side. Yes, it might be uncomfortable, but especially for, and I know the, the people that you work with and I work with who want to continue to grow and ascend in their careers and in their lives, the ability to have those difficult conversations and I recommend, you know, writing writing things down ahead of time, like actually having notes on what you want to say and how you want to say it so that you could be articulate, so that you could be clear and that you can speak your truth. Yeah, totally. So let me ask you this. As a happiness expert, do you feel like there is such a thing as this kind of toxic positivity? Do people come to you and they say, I can't be happy all the time. I can't be positive all the time. And it really just kind of adds more pressure on me, which makes me go further in the other direction. So yes, I absolutely believe that there is toxic positivity. And I talk about this on a regular basis that as a leader, as a, as a human, there's no such thing as being quote unquote happy all the time. It's completely unrealistic. And that would be the most annoying person on the world in the world. If someone was positive all of the time, because life is happening. There are challenges. There are struggles in your career and in your life. And what's, what's key is that a leader is authentic, is real, is vulnerable. And when they're going through challenges, when they're, you know, I would have extremely stressful weeks and I, my team would know, I'd say, you know, the owners of the hotels are asking me this and I would, I would be very real. And I would also choose to be optimistic and positive for them. Not every single second, not every single day, but more positive than negative. You know, it's about, it's about, um, sort of a scale, you know, you don't want to be more negative than positive, but if you're positive all the time, it's going to seem completely fake. So what do you think is the most common obstacle that, um, you know, organizations or executive leadership teams struggle with? Like what's the number one thing they come to you to help them with? The number one thing is the team connection and belonging and feeling really united. So especially where more and more teams are virtual and hybrid Mm. and everyone is working independently, which there's a lot of positives to that. But the challenge is keeping everyone so connected to each other, the team, connected one-on-one with the leader, and then also really invested and connected to the culture so that when a competitor calls and says, hey, I'll pay you 30 grand more, and the the person goes, no, I'm, you know, I don't, I'm not going to take it because I want to stay with my, in a way, with my work family. That's the, that's the challenge and the opportunity for leaders. So how, what are some recommendations then, um, that you provide as far as 
trying to stay connected while working remotely? Yes. So um, one is to have, and I know everyone has Zoom fatigue, so I don't say be on Zoom all the time and be on video all the time, but there needs to be, if everyone's working remotely, there needs to be consistent touch points where people can see each other and talk not just about tasks, the strategy, the results, but actually connect as human beings. Mm. So that's a really having a having a rhythm where they feel connected just like you might, you know, catch up with your an old friend on FaceTime. Yeah. Right? So having that connection piece. Also crucial is psychological safety. So having the leader creating an environment where every single person on the team feels like they can be truthful, be honest, say what they think, and that it, there's there's equ- um, equitable communication time. That it's not that you know the three super extroverted people do all the talking and everyone kind of listens and you know says yes in the Slack chat. That there's this that everyone's communication is valued and that everyone is speaking up as well. Yeah. Also, few other things are consistent, specific, authentic, positive feedback. And leaders are like, we're so busy. I get this all the time. They're like, Tia, we're so busy. I say, I know, but this is so crucial. People will feel connected and invested if they're getting consistent feedback that they're doing a good job. Again, not fake. Right. And they also need to receive feedback when, when, you know, they're doing, they need to have corrections. But one way to boost experienced happiness while working is to let people know they're doing a great job and really mean it and have specifics to back it up. Um, there's a lot more, but th- those are those are some key things. No, I really like those. And I think too, you know, another really great way is, and this isn't just to push coaching or workshops or whatever, but I think it's great when you have an outside third party, like a coach come in. And what I typically do is I'll have one-on-one calls with each of the team members um, prior. And mm-hmm. then I will talk with the leader, you know, obviously not sharing anything that's, you know, potentially um, could spark retribution or something with the with the, the employees. But we talk about the dynamic, right? And we might do a predictive index. Like we kind of look at where everybody is currently. And then the beauty of having an outside person come in to do a workshop or offer coaching is number one, it shows your team that you admit that you don't know everything, right? Mm-hmm. That like maybe you can't figure this out and maybe you need somebody and you're willing to invest and pay to have a professional come in to just kind of do like a check on everybody. But then it's also this wonderful time to have this platform to say, here are things that I like. And I think it's also great for employees to have a bit of a bitch sesh, like, okay, tell me all the things that you don't, right? Because (laughs) those are things that I feel like they're scared to share. And it's really great when you're a third party and you can come in and gather that info and then deliver it to ELT in a way that can be productive for them. Mm -hmm. Yes. And and, and coming back to, to the happiness piece and what you spoke on, having learning from a coach or doing workshops, having an outside expert come in, also supports their happiness because it's intellectual well-being. They're learning about themselves or they're learning about a new topic, like if it's a workshop or talks, that sort of thing. And anytime team members are learning, that increases their happiness, whether it's learning about themselves or learning about, you know, different different topics or strategies. Happiness and learning go hand in hand. Yeah, I love that. And I think it also sends a message to them that 
we're not just focused on your productivity, right? Like right. I can have a coach come in and talk to you about everything really but work. And work always comes out anyway. So like you always get that, those nuggets. But I think it could be like, I'm just going to get you some coaching just for you for personal development. It has nothing to do with grooming you to go to the next level or this or that, because I think people are suspect of that. And they're suspect sometimes when their employer is paying your coaching fee, they feel like they can't really disclose exactly what's going on or if they are planning on leaving. And I think that it can be really great for the employer to say, this is private, this is for you, and I'm not going to get any feedback from that coach. I think that's a huge value add. And so many people are going and going into their own pockets to have coaches. I think it's an incredible benefit if these companies kind of wake up and see that they can be the hero. Like they can provide that as another addition to their bonus or total comp or something like that. They will get their own private coach for the year. And I feel like that does wonders to keep them in check and on that kind of happiness trail throughout the year. Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, coaching absolutely changed my life. It inspired me to get to get certified and imagine the whole world of work around the globe. If everyone was provided coaching, it would it would transform the way we live and work. It's it's one of the best investments people can make and companies can give to people. I absolutely agree. Yeah. One other topic that you speak on is the neuroscience of productivity. And I would love to, you know, get your thoughts on that a little bit, because I feel like right now, a lot of my clients are, they're kind of in this productivity um, tornado. It's like, unless I'm being productive, I'm being lazy. And they're, they're really Mm -hmm. attributing their productivity to their personal value and their worth, which I feel Mm -hmm. like is really dangerous. But How do you broach that topic when you're speaking to a group about kind of like what's good productivity and what's really going to eventually kind of harm your mental health if you feel like you need to be productive all the time? Oh, Elizabeth, this is so important and everyone needs to, you know, I know Ariana Huffington talks about this constantly, but we just need to keep talking about it because as a society and culturally I am, I've even been untwining this like throughout my life because I think it's very, very common to have our worth and, you know, our, our value be connected to how productive we are and what we produce and, you know, all of the things, whether it's accolades, titles, money, results, you know, tied to that. Mm-hmm. And, and the realization that we are not what we do right? We are human beings and and work is one thing that we do. It's not who we are is, is Mm. crucial to just have that separation. And that even if you weren't working, you are still extremely worthy as a human being, right? So I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, so with productivity and the message that I share is that I want people to be really productive while they're working, but I say a happy leader is not one that's working all of the time. So if, if you choose and you create boundaries and you say, I'm going to work from, I'm going to use the eight, you know, old, old time frame nine to five. And yeah. at 5 PM, I'm going to be, cho- I'm going to choose to pause and hike and then spend time with my spouse, right? That's, that's yeah. I'm going to choose to do that. Then I want you, I, I, I want you to have that, the, that balance in life. So when you are working, I teach the, 
uh, different aspects on the neuroscience of let's be really productive. Let's get a lot done while you're working so that you don't need to put in 14 hour days. That's really the message. And so um, things like decluttering and distractions and time blocking and taking breaks, hydration, how you set up your environment and understanding that we never multitask. We just switch between tasks. So how can you get in a focused space, finish something and move on? You know, I talk about getting your phone out of your office, physically out of your office, because your phone just sitting there while you're working distracts your brain, even if you're not looking at it, it's distracting you. So all of these, just understanding little, little tools and tactics you could do to set yourself up for success so that, you know, you you don't feel like you have to be productive all the time. And I love a four day work week. Like I, and I, you know, maybe I wouldn't have had that option in the past when I was in corporate sales and, but it is something that I really try to hold to now where Fridays for me, and if I choose to work, that's great, but there's zero expectation of work. And with that, I feel like it does make me more productive then Monday through Thursday. And I do have this little reward system, right? Like if I sit down and bang out work from like nine to 1130, then my reward is I go to Starbucks and I get a nice coffee, you know what I mean? Or something <laughs> like that. But I think yeah. having little rewards that aren't Instagram or TikTok or Amazon are really great ways to kind of like get into that new routine and make those really great habit tweaks that once you get to Thursday, sometimes at noon, I'm like, okay, well, I'm actually good. So if I'm good, I'm good. And I'm just going to stop. And yes, there's a million other things I could be doing, but I don't think I'm going to do them well if I'm from a depleted mental state, right? Mm -hmm. There's just nothing left to give. The cup is empty. I really have learned throughout the years to see when the cup is getting dangerously low. And I just know that it's not fair to clients. It's not fair to my husband, my family to get the leftovers. They really deserve the full me. And I can't do that if I don't take breaks. Right, right. So, so great. And, you know, I went and got certified as a chief happiness officer in Denmark, in Copenhagen years ago. And the Danes work on average 35 to 37 hours a week, and they're highly productive. So I think it's also the recognition that, you know, there are people like Elon Musk who glamorize work over hundred hours. That's not for everybody. And and depending yeah. on what your values are and, and what the lifestyle that you want and, and being in tune with, like you said, like that's so powerful. You don't want to be p- depleted for your spouse. Yeah. Or for myself. I'm just a bitch. Even like, dr- <laughs> right. Even just driving. I'm like, I notice that I'm quicker with the horn. I'm all of these things. And I'm like, okay, we need to like meditate. We need to take a break. We need to go walk on the beach. We need to do something because right. it's not fair. The vibe I'm putting out is not the highest. And I think we all know that we're just going to get right back at us like a boomerang, whatever we're putting out. So even if it's from that place, right? If you think working an extra two hours at night is going to impress your boss, typically it doesn't. I mean, I meet all of these women. I used to do it too. I would you know, willingly work these extra hours and it never made a damn difference. Like I wasn't getting paid more. I, none of this stuff. A lot of times I tell clients, they're not paying you enough to work 20 hours a day. You know what I mean? So therefore, 
you need to like be able to stop and say, you know what, after five, they're not paying me for that. That's my time. So even if you have to put it in that context, if you can't put it in the context of I'm going to do this for me, you can see it as, you know, look at your salary, right? And see, and I don't think anybody's getting paid enough to work, you know, 18 hour days. No, no. And really makes me think of how you started off, Elizabeth, of, you know, someone who feels they need to work that they need to put in all these extra hours. It's not about the boss, right? It's their own self-worth. It's their own. What is it about that? That makes you feel that you need to do that. Um, and, and taking that time to look, okay, what's this really, what's this work addiction about? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys, it's a new year. It's the perfect time to evaluate how happy you are. And Tia's book is coming out in January. What's the date in January that um, people can grab Be a Happy Leader? Yes. So you can pre-order it now, but it comes out. It'll hit bookstores on January 18th. You know what? It's a great, it's a great gift for a boss, isn't it, Tia? (laughs) You can you can be reading it and then say, hey. I'm reading this book. And as we know, a lot of organizations will like buy books to send out to everybody. Mm-hmm. And I actually love that. Every time I got a book from um, my boss or the organization that I worked for, I always read it because I felt like maybe there was going to be like a pop quiz at some national meeting or something. But <laughs> I always got a lot of I got a lot out of it. And I think it's really good to understand, you know, what your boss is consuming too, where their intentions are. And something like this is a great way to say, I'm working on myself as a leader too, to make sure that everybody else is as happy as they should be, right? And instead of those books where it's like, you know, wake up and grind and all that shit, I always, I I never really got any of those, but I know I have seen some organizations send those kind of like just work harder books. And I think that that really sends a message to your team. Like, we're just going to squeeze you for as much as we can. And that's what triggers burnout. And then you get this great resignation. Right, right. Yes, there's a lot of companies who are buying the book in bulk and what I'm, you know, when I hear from people they say, "Wow, it's amazing that our company is investing in our happiness and truly cares." You know, what yeah. a message to spend to send right now, especially with the state of the world that that we're all yeah. living in. Hopefully that is going to be the theme of 2022 is this continued evaluation And hopefully these organizations will rise up and they'll keep their work family intact. So if you want more information, you can learn more about Tia at arrivehappy.com. Go grab her book, pre-order it, be a happy leader. Um, Thank you so much for sharing your insight with us, Tia. We really appreciate you. Oh, thank you for having me. 